Good morning, everyone. Uh, here we are for the 17th Comcast, the penultimate in the series on the uh, Educast anthology. We're going to be covering uh, Philip Larkin's uh, 1964 poem, Afternoons. So, Miss, uh, Miss Mustafa, do you want to start us off on the title? Yeah, Afternoons, written in 1959. <coughs> um, well, it's set in the kind of location of uh, a typical English everyday life in the 1950s, dealing with the uh, relationships of people. And he's focusing on the idea of the afternoon. And he links that with the summer fading and everything's moving towards a close. And he himself was a, an, an observationalist of, uh, of, of life, being a librarian himself, used to like watching people, and he had a rather negative and m quite miserable view of life, really. Mm. Um, yeah, and so he's, he starts the poem by saying, summer is fading, the leaves fall in ones and twos from trees bordering the new recreation ground, which, having read the, new, the word new recreation ground, you know, it's a kind of hint that it might be something new, something different, something coming to life, but in actual fact, it isn't because then he continues it mm. with, the, with the hollows of the afternoon, and then he and then he begins the next line with young mothers, as if again something new and vibrant. Mm. But then again, he, he shifts it to a, a swing and a sandpit, setting free their children, which is ironic because if they're in this controlled environment, how are they free? Which is true. which is all of them. Mm. Yes, not just the children. No. they're all in this controlled environment, and none of them are free. And there's that kind of cycle and cyclical nature to the poem which is reflected in, in its sort of structure mm -hmm. the enjambement but the idea that we're, everyone's just going around in a little circle you know day like you said summer is fading everything's coming to a close morning turns into afternoon to night mm. and then we start all over again and there's a certain kind of domestic boredom monotony monotony to all of this even imprisonment i think you know that idea of setting, even in prison <laughs> no even that setting free is sort of this there's that suggestion that domestic life is restrictive and almost incarcerating um but they're not aware of it no, no but perhaps it, not no. but there's well aren't they i don't know it's just okay. like they i don't know there's no they seem to accept it behind them at intervals dad husbands in skilled trades i so do you think that they're just kind of unaware that their life has become this kind of... I think it's it's debatable, isn't it? I mm. think the fact that the writer uses, you know, that Larkin's using all the, the sibilants here suggests that it's quite, you know, that, that sense of repetition, sense of regularity, and it's this sort of habit almost. Mm. So perhaps they don't know. Um, but then again, there's that the idea of the hollows. The routine is empty, nothing takes place. Exactly, and that whole feeling of emptiness <clears> just resonates with me throughout the whole poem i kind of suspect that these people maybe with the exception of the children are aware that the, that life has lost its luster and shine you know mm. the image of the photo album the wedding album by the telly mm. yeah. um and the album's lettered our wedding lying near the television this sense that you know all of that joie de vivre and excitement it's, it's gone, just yeah. gone and mm. you know and it's just replaced by the daily domestic quotidian like that's why it's just near the tv and the washings there and i think there is an awareness because there's a reminder of what life was like in the wedding yes. album i think there is an awareness that that they have moved well beyond that now and are fulfilling like the women are fulfilling their domestic duties of having babies and mm. looking after them the men are doing their kind of bringing in the bread and butter mm. you know the, these skilled trades now 
and like everyone's got their role and is just kind of going through the motions a little bit. There's a, there's a clear disjunct between the uh, husbands and wives as well. I think mm. with the caesura in line nine, for example, you know, behind them, yeah, at intervals, the pause, the midline. Um, it suggests that they they not only do the women not have any individuality or identity, um, you know, the idea of them, but also there's that split almost between husband and wife. So they're not as connected as they perhaps should be. Is there, and maybe, I don't know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, is there, is there a commentary here on progress? Definitely. You know, you've got the new recreation grounds, you've got perhaps this new up-and-coming sexual liberation for women in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the advent of television mm-hmm. in people's homes, this sense that with progress and moving forward, you have to pay a price. There's a certain loss of freedom and enjoyment mm. um, that comes with this kind of new progress in inverted Change. commas yeah well they just fit into the lifestyle really and they just carry on their routines and their stereotypical lives and you know even though it, they, they kind of get sat- satisfaction maybe from knowing that the the whole estate is new and it's quite you know modern and and maybe for mm. them it's luxurious compared to what their parents had maybe yeah and so they like the idea you know hence you know the new recreation ground and the young mothers and that kind of idea that everything is is new but at the same time fixed rigid empty empty mm. it's, it's, it's like the glass half empty yeah. <laughs> yes. you know he, he that philip larkin sees it it's just so i mean he presents married life as well as just so stagnant mm. so unromantic and unfulfilling you know there's a little kind of <coughs> hark back to when they were children you know that in their courting places like again mm. like the wedding album like a little reminder of what life used to be like but those days are just long gone now. And their mm. children will fall into the same routine, the suggestion. And it's that, it's that cycle, isn't it? He, he talks a lot about change through this poem, both the change of people as their lives go on that is beyond their control and the sort of perceived change in society that we've already talked about, the idea of the new recreation ground, the estate full, the skilled trades, etc. But I think what particularly resonates for me is the the change that we have no control over. So, for example, line 15 and 16, the wind is ruining their yeah. courting places. I absolutely love that line. I think it's really important. The the idea that, you know, the wind, this sort of, um, you know, disconnected other is taking away their um, their happy memories mm-hmm. of the past. Their opportunities are being taken away by something they can't control. But then that enjambement goes into that are mm. still courting <clears throat> places. But True. just not for them. Not and for it reminds them. us of that yeah, cycle time. of life. But just that, not for them because no. they, they have moved they have moved on and they have like I say they have taken on the roles of the adult mm. you know you're not maybe there's a kind of a thing there on, on adulthood as well you know you, you're not permitted to have that freedom and liberation um that you did when you were young and yeah. youthful and you know because the emotion is almost gone if, you, if mm. we go back to line six the use of the verb assemble there i think is really interesting mm. because it's very detached so mechanical very very mechanical but is that his view well, is that the poet speaking? I think, I, I yeah. think, that I kind think of that tone of yeah, he was a great observer. Mm. He was a great observer, um, and you know he saw a lot of things that happened, the, particularly the ordinary events. You know, he was he was quite an isolated man, wasn't he? Mm. Um, and I think that's that isolation is reflected here. Mm. There's a, even though they're all together in their little groups, the children, the husbands, the wives. They, like you said, you said there's a disconnect. Mm. They are all kind of in their own little worlds. And there is a certain mm. weariness to mm. it. Mm. Kind of this is dragging on. And again, I think, you know, I think the poem is perfectly titled, you know, Afternoons to me. 
is all about the dragging on that kind of yeah. no man's land between morning and evening you know where where you have time to feel like i said to mrs mustafa earlier that's that's why countdown and 15 to 1 are on at that time you know because <laughs> yeah. well, it, it's that kind of moment of it's not one or the other hmm. and i think that there's a real sense of that in the poem that sense of like this could go on worst. forever and ever and ever this sort of static stagnant yeah well he starts off he seems to start off with a some with a tone of something positive and then he straight away destroys it when he says in line 19 and their children so intent of finding more unripe acorns it's quite sinister well mm. unripe acorns maybe kind of some trying to create something for themselves maybe trying to but aspire think, to something and but then not and then not it's the idea of unripe isn't but it? but but that is philip larkin's trademark hmm. that is what philip larkin did he he was not known for his upbeat kind yeah. of philosophy on life that's exactly his style yeah. was to i don't know cynical yeah cynical and pessimistic yeah. and that, and i think afternoons is a kind of a good example of the way in which he wrote and observed life <clears throat> and commented on life because it is a social commentary a social and that's where Larkin comes from mm. well, it is it's a the, social commentary it's the restrictions it's like people can't escape the social structures a bit mm -hmm. like Blake's poem they can't, yeah, can't, can't escape that social restriction of their class or their wealth or at least in London Blake is challenging it mm. yeah but here there's this kind of almost um do you think it's acceptance mocking? of it, oh. like, yeah. like, it's like a hypnotic. Sort yeah, of, I'm thinking know. like yeah. soporific, yes, like yeah. this sleepy yeah. kind of acceptance. Fugue. It's yeah, fugue of, state yeah. exactly. Is that because of what you said earlier about the uh, the social comfort being much more modern world? Maybe and they're kind of cushioned in a yeah, way. Yeah, and, and it links back to what you said. You know, if they look back to their parents. Hmm. They, they, you know, they're living a much more modern, comfortable, comfortable mm. life, and maybe they're thinking, "Hold on, we should be grateful yeah. for this modern, comfortable." I've got a telly in my living room. You know, mm. it's more than what their parents would have had. I think, although he does have a pessimistic view, I think there is relevance for this poem still. I think there's there's Definitely. an argument to say that people do still sleepwalk through life and never introspect and question things or think, oh, actually, hold on, I'm not particularly happy about the fact that my old courting place has been ruined or whatever. And, know, and the last two lines, I mean, you know, I think yeah, in, in today's spooky. world, in the 21st mm. century, we're very aware of this thing of something is pushing them to the side of mm. their own lives. We're very aware of being protagonists in our own lives mm. and that dreadful kind of Instagram slogan of, you know, live your best life and all that sort of thing, um, which we, we now comment on with such cynicism and mockery. Mm. But... I think that does resonate with with a modern reader, mm. the idea of being pushed to the edge of your life and being merely a spectator, yeah, that yeah. we strive to be much more than that. And it's that passive voice there. Mm. Something is pushing them. Mm. So it's not it's not an active force. It's it's they don't know what it is. It's this it's an, an unawareness of what is changing their lives that is beyond their control. It's almost that throughout the poem, you've got the idea of puppeteer, sort of something yeah. is changing them, yeah. but they don't know what and they can't control it. Do they want to control it? Is it too it? many things? Is it consumerism? Is it technology? Is it because, you know, I think they become everything. victims of all those things? dissatisfaction with modern society. Absolutely. From Larkin, I think. And it's interesting because when we think about Blake, <clears throat> there is very definitely something to blame the mm. establishment. Yeah. Yeah. When we think about living space, there is very definitely yeah. someone to blame you know mm -hmm. the wealthier class who kind of turn the blind up but then you get to afternoons and it is that kind of what am i dissatisfied with yeah like what what is it so that much ambiguity there. exactly yes because 
and which ties in with the whole concept of an afternoon. It's neither one nor the other. Exactly. You're kind of in yeah. limbo land. Yeah. Well, it lacks passion. Oh, totally. Yeah. Whereas yeah. You, can, you can see that in Blake's poem, marks of weakness, marks mm. of well, there's intense. There's no intense, emotion in this poem. This, no. this poem is a, is very kind of, uh, I don't know, hollow, hollow. Mm. Exactly, at, hollow. All the verb choices. There is so little emotional feeling. Things like expect. There is nothing dynamic. No. no. There's no kind of forward momentum. There's nothing there to kind of create. Like, and that's exactly, I mean, and, and what we're saying here is that Philip Larkin is absolutely achieving his aim. Totally. This is his intention to create this, and he does it really mm. very, very well. And it's a kind of very sophisticated way of signaling to us that these, you know, like we talked about before, yeah. the, the shine's gone, the luster is mm. gone, and you're being overtaken yeah. by modern life, and you don't even know no, it. I mean, it makes yeah. them sound so old, and they're actually young. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. that's that's a yeah. very good point. The beauty is thickened is an interesting line, I think, as I well. I think that's a, a great line. Just in, It's the only standalone line in the poem as well, with the end stop at the end there as well. And thickened creates like such weight. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Like, mm. it, they, they are almost kind of <clears throat> rooted to the spot. They're yeah. thickened, like they can't move from it. Mm. I love that line. I think it's mm. brilliant. I think it's quite sad that he's suggesting that these young women have passed the best days of their lives, that they haven't got any aspirations. And that they're, they're destined to reach the same fate as the others. If, if we use the second line as, you know, when the first line indeed is, is metaphorical, summer is fading, the leaves fall in ones and twos. Things but let's put it in its context. Decay. It's right. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, okay, I'm making a massive generalisation, but generally speaking, that is right. Mm. Once these young women have babies and fulfil the role of mother and wife, their job is done. We're talking like late 50s, early 60s. Mm. Mm. You know, there, there is a certain truth about what Larkin is writing for that time and that place. You know, the beginning of suburban England. Mm. I mean, that is what, what he's what kind was. of looking at. I read um, a very interesting comparison between this and Cosy Apologia last year. I think mm. that those two have quite a lot in common, particularly mm. the idea of domesticity and the sort of um, the comfort of domestic life that Cosy mm. Apologia presents and the dissatisfaction that we get from. But she's still, but Rita Dove still apologises for yeah, it. Exactly. Yes. You yeah. know, and and I'm she's sorry, happy. So happy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so happy. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to talk about it because it's almost embarrassing how happy I am. Um, but but that's you know, there's that's still that sense of of unease yeah. about it because it, there is almost a taboo and a, a sort of not a taboo, but a sort of a stigmatism and a um, I don't know, sort of a, a disjunct again because you have in the 1960s the gender roles being so defined, women in the kitchen, man at work. Yes. And, you know, in Cozy Apologia, they don't necessarily portray that, but it's, again, the idea of domesticity, isn't it? And, yeah. But everyone has, but in, in Cozy Apologia, they each have their role. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's the hero and <clears throat> she's kind of, you know, the writer and kind of creating this whole narrative around him. And they have their yeah. roles. It might not sort of be gender specific, even though it kind of is. Well, she put him in that role, didn't she? She did. She saw she did. him as a knight in shining armour. And, and she remembers the, 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 the boys with sissy names, doesn't That's it? That's right. Which I think reflects the idea of courting the places. Yeah, courting yeah. places here. You can talk a bit about that, you know, yep. the past. Yeah, that's know. a warm poem, I think. That's a it is. warm kind of Quite library. a contrast yeah. afternoons with its melancholia all the Quite way through. sad, really. Yeah, and it's kind of very autumnal feel, isn't it? Mm. Like I said everything moving towards an inevitable mm. end. Mm. It's like having no control at all over yourself or your life. That, I think, is one of the key you know, precepts in the poem, because it's the idea of 
you you are being controlled by mm. life. Yeah. The natural cycle of the world. That's yep. that's been put there for you. <coughs> but you've yeah. chosen to go into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unknowingly perhaps because yeah. when you're young everything is a courting place and it's all mm. kind of interesting and you know, perhaps you go into the rest of your life thinking that that's how it will be and it's only mm. when you are standing at the swing and sand pit that you realise that actually mm. this is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't think he had a very inspiring no. life, did he? Because no. he was a librarian for 30, 30 years. He was a librarian for 30 in years Hull. In, in Hull. Yeah, exactly. Not that we're saying anything bad no. about Hull. No. Um, City of Culture 2018. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and on that note. On that note, the, uh, the three quotations that we would recommend for use. What will we go with? Miss Ahmed, do you want to kickstart? Well, I've already commented on mine. That their beauty has thickened. Um, the, the, kind of the there at the beginning of the line, is it just the women? Is it the children? Is it all of them? You know, and, this, and that kind of verb thickened, everything about it is just so weighty. Like mm. They can't, they, almost a sense that they couldn't break free even if they wanted to. Mm. They are absolutely rooted to their spots in time and space and life um, yeah that's mm. that's my line and that sadness because once upon a time there mm. was some beauty there yeah there was some joy and there was something alive mm. and that has just thickened mm. I love that even it sounds thickened I know. horrible yeah, yeah. I, I, well going on from that idea or rather prior to that idea I like the line like uh, finding more unripe acorns mm expect to be taken home because the adjective unripe suggests there is something undeveloped some mm. kind of something aspirational that that could have erupted or could have developed and then the word expect ruins it mm. so they kind of you know <laughs> there's your aspiration yeah. the mothers yes it? exactly the expectation of the, yeah. the the petulant child of their children yeah <laughs> mm. so i always think like you know with the young with the young youth there's always so much potential there and it's almost you know a shame to, to, to kind of repress that and not mm. let it live mm. i think for me it's the opening two lines summer is fading the leaves fall in ones and twos um i think the idea of summer obviously being a metaphor for the the, the, the peak of your life, the best The heyday. Part, the heyday, absolutely. Um, and now fading, that sort of present continuous tense with the ING, they're suggesting it's continual and that it is not ending and it's it's an endless cycle of, of slow decay. How cheerful. Um, <laughs> and the leaves fall in ones and twos again. It brings us back to the idea of control or lack thereof. And it's... It makes the seat, the change seem very irregular mm. and very uncontrollable and very um, almost quite sinister, I think, in a way. And it's something that we have no power over, is Larkin's commentary. Agreed. Mm. Nature seems almost destructive in some respects, where it's falling. Yeah, it or does. irreverent, almost like it doesn't care yeah. about the court totally in places, the people yeah. that it has, you know, it's kind of trivial stuff it just doesn't mm. it, and, and nature is doing what nature does and, and yeah. again we're just kind of yeah maybe then we're we're perhaps almost reading too deeply with the idea of that it's a melancholic commentary and that actually it's larkin saying <laughs> it's larkin saying actually this is just evolution by natural selection stop attaching humanistic motions <laughs> That's quite deep for the there end of the possible. We'll leave that with you, ladies leave that and gentlemen. With you to consider. Um, we invite you to ponder that. We shall see you next week for the final anthology podcast. Wow. Um, 
and we'll be covering the classic To Autumn by John Keats. Perfect. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye.